Hello, and thank you for tuning in to Answers from the Lab, where we share Mayo Clinic knowledge and advancements on the state of testing and science from laboratory leaders and the people who are making it happen behind the scenes. I'm Dr. Bobby Pritt, the Chair of the Division of Clinical Microbiology within the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology here at Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. Today, we are joined by Dr. John Black, Co-Director of the Personalized Genomics Laboratory in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology who is jointly appointed to the Department of Psychiatry and Psychology. Much of Dr. Black's research has laid the foundation for treatment techniques that are now part of clinical practice. Welcome, Dr. Black, and thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Pritt. May was Mental Health Awareness Month, and I think that that subject really resonates with a lot of us after the past two years of the pandemic. Can you tell us a little bit about your work and expertise and the importance of mental health awareness? Well, let's start with mental health awareness. As you've rightly stated, we've been through an unprecedented time. It seems that there's no end to this pandemic. We've had wave after wave. Our frontline workers, people who face the patients every day, have struggled greatly because, one, there are so many patients. Two, so many of them have gotten COVID or their family members. And almost everybody is aware of someone who has passed away as a result of COVID, notwithstanding the fact that many patients haven't come in to get the basic care that they need because of the pandemic. So it is right to focus one month a year, mm -hmm. especially this year, on mental health awareness. And if you don't mind, I'm just going to go through some of the things that I think people need to think about. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Please do as a result of what they've been through. Mental health is everything to people. I know it gets swept under the rug frequently, but without good, stable, robust in this environment, mental health, you're going to struggle. And many people have, and I like to just get people back to the basics when we talk about mental health in a time like this. It boils down to looking after yourself. Nobody's gonna do that for you. You have to do that. And this is going to sound like a cliche, but I hope people will listen to it because it really does make a difference. Mm -hmm. Exercise, eat well, get together with friends, do things that are fun. Now we can do it a little bit more as the pandemic starts to, we hope, wane. But having a connection with friends allows you to have someone else that you can talk to that can validate what you're experiencing and help you to get through so many things. I've had many people say to me, you know, I don't really hear my own thoughts or know what I'm thinking until I say it to somebody else. And doing that makes a difference. Staying away from non-prescription drugs. I hate to say it, but I have to mm -hmm. say it. Minimizing the use of alcohol. If you use it at all, alcohol does not solve anything. It doesn't cover up anything. The problem's still there once you come out from under the influence of alcohol. There's this work-life balance, or some people call it integration. I want to say a little bit more about that in a minute, but this is a very important thing for you to consider. Family connections. Your family is sort of your anchor, your foundation, and you must maintain a healthy relationship within your family. If you're working from home and you're around your significant other, spouse, kids, whatever, all the time, that could be a bit of a challenge, isn't it? Because, you know, you need to get out. 
or if now that we're back from the pandemic, many of us return to the office. If you're in the office all the time and don't have time for family, that doesn't work either. So there is a balance that you need to maintain. I've said that, you know, a lot of people haven't kept up with their health care needs as a result of the pandemic. They've been too busy or they haven't felt safe going in for care. You need to do that. People die because of the virus, but people also get sick because they don't get the health care maintenance that they need. That needs to happen. So if you put that off, don't put that off anymore. Mm -hmm. Try to help someone. Helping other people is a great balm, if you will, for mental health issues. It feels good to help other people. In whatever way you find useful, whatever way you like to do, do find time to do that because you get so much more back from that. Find someone to be grateful for and tell them. It's another way of helping people. And then know when to ask for help. One of the things that I was really happy with when I came back, and we'll talk about my recent assignment, is when I went to the Mayo Clinic internet homepage, over there on the left under destinations, there is a banner for health and well-being. And there is a lot of information in there. And I just encourage people to take a look at that because you can self-help your way through a lot of things. There's an area that It's called Be Your Best Self, which is resources for you, virtual well-being workshops, getting involved in a resiliency coaching group. There's building a culture of well-being, which is an area that is good for supervisors, but it's good for employees as well. The mental health and well-being section is extremely robust. It actually walks you through when you should think about getting help and where you are in your journey right now through this pandemic and through life in general. And then there are other virtual well-being workshops that you can become a part of, and a section which I think is quite important on spreading joy and recognition, where you can actually recognize other employees, people that you work with. All of this really plays into not only helping your own mental health, but other people's mental health. Then I want to stop before I ramble on too long. Uh, And (laughs) that is to talk about job stress. Hmm. It's a very stressful time in the job, in the workplace. Everybody knows that. If you don't like what you're doing, think about doing something else. We all go through our careers and make changes, and that's okay to do. I think you'll find that Mayo is very helpful in that regard. Again, take care of your family with your job. Redefine yourself as not being just your job, that puts a lot of pressure and stress upon you. It's a part of your identity, but there's so much more to your identity than your job. Use your job to help other people. That's what we do. Deeds of the patient come first. I like to say every test tube of blood that comes through my lab is my patient. Mm-hmm. And I'm Every barcode. Yeah. Every, every barcode. barcode is a life. Use your job to enrich the lives of others and use your job to improve the organization. There's one last important thing I want to say, and that is for the leaders in the group. I just finished a major executive job in Abu Dhabi. And as I was leaving, people came up to me and they said very nice things. But the thing that meant the most to me was, you're a great leader because you recognized me for what I do. That really touched me. That's a message we all should carry forward. When you thank people, when you acknowledge them, when you tell them they're doing a good job, when you coach them, 
you're doing a great thing for that person. And that's going to ripple through their lives. What you do now to help people, to thank them, to make them feel as though they're contributing to the mission ripples forward in time and is very important. Wow, John, that's really great. I couldn't even begin to come up with that wonderful list that you just did. And I think, like you said, the pandemic, there's no end in sight, although we've learned a lot. And importantly, we've learned how to keep ourselves safe and keep others safe. So that does open up some possibilities now. And as you mentioned, going to the physician and getting the health care you need is an important part of that. It's safe to go if you take precautions. It's safe to go out and spend time with other people. And that's so important these days. So you obviously have this joint appointment in psychiatry and psychology, as well as in the Department of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology. So you have a testing role as well in oversight and testing. So can you tell us what role does laboratory testing play when it comes to mental health? Just historically, back around 2002 through 2003, a group of us in psychiatry said, hey, wouldn't it be great if we could develop some testing that would help us to select medications for psychiatry patients. So much of what is done was done at that point was trial and error. You would start a medication, you would use family history that might help you, you would use other parameters that you're aware of, but you would start a medication mostly based upon your experience with that medication and perhaps previous experience with that patient. We wanted to try to take the trial and error out of it. Mm -hmm. So we came up with a list of medications and we said, how are those medications metabolized? And are there any particular drug targets that we should be aware of? And we identified some, so sort of very early days. And the first algorithm for the develop for the selection of psychotropic medications was developed out of this group. And it was David Morozik, Dennis O'Kane, and myself that did this work. That subsequently has been a very important element of helping psychiatrists and helping patients get to the right medication. And we offer that here. And now that's expanded from just a few genes to up to 22 genes with over 107 alleles that we look for in our psychotropic medication uh, pharmacogenomic panel here in, within TLMP. People say, well, should I get that right away? No. Most people should not get that right away. Most of the time, people have mild to moderate disease. Fortunately, they have the benefit of being able to try a medication first. Usually that will work. But if it doesn't, or if there are excessive side effects, it's time to think about getting a panel like this, hmm. because this will help you and your physician to know what might be the reasons for that, what medications may work better for you. Oftentimes, I say there are certain rules for selecting when to get one of these panels. Very young patients who can't communicate well when they're having side effects may benefit from getting this panel. Very old patients who similarly have difficulty saying when they're feeling better, feeling worse, or having issues with side effects may benefit from this. And people with very severe illness, i.e. life-threatening, for example, suicidal, psychotic, at very high risk, you want to get it right the first time. So you may select a medication panel early on to try to 
get to the right medication the first time without any trial and error. And finally, patients who have had a trial of medications, they had excessive side effects or didn't benefit, should consider getting this through their physician. So those are kind of the parameters that Mm -hmm. I've always taught people on how to use these, these types of panels. Well, that's really helpful and interesting. It's fascinating to see the robust science behind uh, treatments and having data-driven treatment methods. Now, my next question kind of overlaps with what you just said, but perhaps you can just emphasize the main points for our listeners. What should our listeners know then when it comes to treatments, especially if treatments don't seem to be working effectively? Yeah, well, there can be a variety of reasons for them and genetics is part of it. So that's why the panel. But Sometimes the underlying condition can actually make it difficult for a patient to tolerate their medication. Give you an example. Patients are extremely anxious and focused upon their body. Whenever they take a medication, they start looking for side effects. And when they see them, hard stop. They don't want to go further. They're afraid of that. It makes them more anxious. So in that situation, having a physician or counselor that can support a patient through that is key. When it comes to actually looking at genes and drugs, I think it's really important to say that this panel that we've developed doesn't say you can't take this drug or that drug. There's very few instances of that. And those are mainly HLA-associated hypersensitivities to things like carbamazepine. You shouldn't take a drug if you got the wrong gene or the the wrong allele. But most of the medications can still be taken. So if a patient is on a particular medication, they get this panel, that medication ends up in the red zone. That doesn't mean you can't take it. If a person's tolerating it, keep going. But if a person is about to start that medication, might be best to start a different one unless all other options have been used. And then you may have to go to one of those medications. It's not in the ideal bin. What do you do? You go, you go low, you start slow, you increase the medication slowly, and you get to the right dose over time. Well, thank you, Dr. Black. This is fascinating. I've learned a lot, and it's, I think, a great way to wrap up for the month of May, uh, recognizing mental health awareness. So really interesting discussion. I think a lot of good points for our listeners. I hope you don't mind if I pivot slightly. I, um, You al- alluded to your recent assignment overseas, and it's been the past few years, I believe, that you've been living in another country. Can you tell us a little bit about where you were and what you were doing? Yes, I was in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates. Mayo Clinic has a joint venture between Mayo Clinic, of course, and the Abu Dhabi healthcare company, which goes by the name Saha. They needed to open a hospital, brand new hospital, and they needed an operator. And the government and Saha, Mayo leaders came together and did a due diligence phase. And that's when I became involved in May of 2019, where we started to look at this business opportunity as well as the facilities. My job was to get the facilities ready and uh, to get the biomedical equipment up and running. The facilities unbelievably had been sitting there for years, not being operated. And it's a beautiful facility, so it's kind of a shame. So we got into it, we started working it. Yes, it was possible to develop this joint venture. We signed in November of 2019 opened in January of 2020. And I was uh, given the privilege of being the executive director for strategic expansion 
at Sheikh Shahboot Medical City. That's the name of the org- building that we're in and the hospital we're in. I had oversight of supply chain. I had oversight of facilities. I started the OCG there and was the inaugural chair. I started the Space and Equipment Committee, was the inaugural chair. I had responsibility for a great deal of capital, responsible for starting and being the executive sponsor for a lab expansion, cardiology expansion, radiology expansion, and our fledgling bone marrow transplant program and radiation oncology program. And then finally, although it's a new facility, it doesn't have what a Mayo Clinic has. And if it's going to become Mayo's fourth destination medical center, which is the goal, our first international, we need more facilities. So I was responsible for doing the initial planning for the campus expansion, which is approximately over 10 years, a $1.2 billion expansion. So I was a little bit busy. I had a great time. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Wow. Yeah. I had a tenure of two years. I completed the two years and it come back to the United States to be in the labs. And I'm very happy with everything that's going on. I'm happy to be back. It was a wonderful experience and I would recommend it to anybody. Well, that's really exciting. I know you contacted me at some point because you were looking for a a medical microbiologist. So I think your uh, responsibilities also involved recruiting people to staff the lab. Is that correct? Yeah, that was correct. Wow. I reached out broadly to lots of people and I really mm-hmm. appreciate your help. It was helpful. Okay, and the other good. thing that happened is that as we were developing our plan to expand our laboratory, which is just for the use of the hospital, mm-hmm. we needed expertise we didn't have. So we reached back, you were helpful, other mm-hmm. people were helpful in many labs to help us with that planning process. So thank you for that. I'm glad we could help. It's a huge undertaking and very exciting. Well, thank you for that little uh, insight into what you've been working on during the pandemic. Nonetheless, a lot going on. And thank you again for joining us today, Dr. Black. It was a fascinating conversation. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you so much for tuning in to Answers from the Lab. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast and don't forget to tune in every Thursday and every other Tuesday.